0: time. There's a young, strikingly gorgeous couple, uh, not Hillary and I, uh, right behind Hillary. No, those are not my, that's not my older brother and sister. Those are my parents. Yes, I know. So you want to know what uh, Jesus and good, clean living can do for you right there. There you go. Um, amen. I've probably traveled a little bit more and lived a little harder, so I may, I may be catching up to my parents, but don't hold that against me. But uh, glad they're with us this morning. Came off to surprises from Indiana. So, a lot of good things came out of Indiana. I'm one of them. <laughs> so, I, I'm excited to be I was excited to be here anyway because I get to do one of my. It's funny as a kid, you try to think, what are you going to do with your life? And as a kid, I thought, well, what do I spend most of my time doing? Well, it's running around with a toy gun, shooting my brothers. So, I thought that's what I should do with my life. And not running around shooting at my brothers with toy guns, but in, in the real world scenario. and God had other plans, and eventually, like, well, God, what do you want me to do? And I realized, finally, I'm actually getting to do what I love the most. You give me a good, meaty theological conversation or or some abstract, I get to do that. And I love Scripture. We've got this collection of ancient texts that have been preserved over thousands of years, written by multiple authors, God speaking through all of these people to us. Have we ever stopped to think just how amazing the Bible is? I was listening to a podcast this week, and it was, it was, it was um, disconcerting a little bit. They were giving statistics on Christians, particularly in America and maybe across the world. And I forget, there was like 70 to 80% of Americans identify as Christian, whatever that means. I guess you can throw on a Jesus hat or T-shirt and call yourself a Christian. They identify as Christians, but 9%... Have actually read their Bible on a daily basis or on a regular basis—not even a daily, but a regular basis. And so they found—I think—forget even a it was nine or somewhere between three and nine percent actually even know what the Bible means or says. And so it's, it's no wonder we've got a lot of Christians out there with goofy ideas about about God. And and what's really sad too is is a lot of people who are against Christianity they don't know anything about Christianity. There was a time, at least, people who are against it at least bothered to study it and know it but, the, but we we haven't seen that happen so how important is it that if, if this we believe God breathed his instruction his words his purpose his life into humanity through Christ that he spoke through the ages through multiple people revealing that was going to happen and it all did happen it's pretty amazing once you start getting in here that's something we should get excited about we we haven't been left here alone without an owner's manual we've got one it's fantastic And if you don't know how to work it, just look at Christ. Look at how he lived. Look at what he spoke. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Recap. So we started a a series called Super is Natural. We kicked off the day of Pentecost with it. And this reality of we are called to live supernatural lives. We believe in a virgin birth. Supernatural. We believe Jesus performed and, and did all the miracles that he did. Supernatural. We believe... Christ died and rose again three days later. That's supernatural. That Christ not only, but he was completely reatomized, basically, and he was the first fruits of something we get to partake in. We forget that. We, we think oftentimes, as good American Christians, that the goal is to die and go be in heaven for eternity. No, there's more to the story. There's this new heaven, this new earth. We are to, to resurrect with Christ and be part of a new creation, and, and we're part of living that out now in part like a shadow of what is to come in full when Christ comes. So I hope I didn't lose anyone there, but it's it's exciting stuff. So we started this, and so we wanted to get into a little bit, that like God's called us to live supernatural, and, and Paul did a great job of, of doing a little teaching on this to the church in Corinth. So if we look at our map up here, we've got uh, Corinth. It was a southern island part of Greece. There's a little city there. Uh, we talked last week, um, and if you go to the next one, Paul was actually over across the... Uh, see there over in modern day Turkey in Ephesus where he was writing that letter and, and sending it to them and the reason why is they were getting goofy he was getting letters and he got reports that they took everything he taught them when he first established that church like three years before and they had just blown his teachings way out of proportion they, they, they had taken on this idea that we're super spiritual um, they were experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit which is great which are good but they were beginning to get a little prideful uh, they were divisive. They were starting to fight with one another over who was better and who was more spiritual and whose spiritual gift was better. And, and there was all these problems going on. And there was sexual immorality and there was bad theology. So Paul was correcting all this. So it was fortunate for us, though, through 12 through 14, he really hones in on talking about why we are called to live supernatural lives and how that looks like, what the giftings of the Holy Spirit gives us. So we talked last week, um, and if you're a history buff, Uh, Paul wrote this around 53, 54 AD. But we learn that there's different spiritual gifts or abilities that God wants each and every one of us to have. And the big thing we learned last week is it's for, does anyone remember? What's the purpose of it? To serve each other. Not to glorify, not to serve ourselves, not to be puffed up or think, well, hey, I, you know, I can do this and I can do that, or God's enabling me to do this. No. God's given the body of Christ different gifts and abilities because he's given us a task. We're to go about making disciples, go out into the world, missions. But we're also to be serving and building up one another. I always tell people sometimes when we're looking for a miracle or we're wondering why God's not doing miracles, it's because God often chooses to use us to work miracles through. We're the hands and feet. We're the body of Christ is what we're going to be talking about today. So we talked a little about these, these gifts, these abilities that God has given us. It's kind of like a toolbox. We've got lots of different tools here. we got a hacksaw. You'd be amazed what you can use that for. Um, I actually had to buy a new tool. got a pipe wrench. How many like buying new tools when you have to? It's fun. Okay, a few of us. Yeah, I had to get a new pipe wrench because it turns out that's what you need So with pipes. So we talk about the tools. God's given us these tools to help build each other up, help build the body of Christ to get out in the community and help start tearing out the junk that's in the world around us be salt and light and start building the kingdom of God. That's what the spiritual giftings are for. They're a gift, they're a privilege to to be a part of what God's doing. And so God's given us these tools, these gifts to serve, strengthen, and encourage each other and to build the church and advance the kingdom of God, His power and authority in this world. So just to put it in context as we jump back into the letter here, Paul is he's correcting a church that looks almost a mirror image of, of our American church. Uh, their culture is, is fueled by um, money, uh, sexuality, pursuits of power. Uh, there's a lot of similarities in the church in Corinth. It would be kind of if you took New York and Los Angeles and Las Vegas and you know Miami or whatever, and you put them all together and took all the worst of all of those. That was part of Corinth. Uh, a lot of exciting things were happening, but a lot of not-so-good things were happening. And so people in the church there, they, were, they had a, were adopt rather than changing the culture around them, they were absorbing that culture, and so they were arrogant. Uh, churches were splitting apart. There was uh, distortions of teachings and proper and disruptive use of the spiritual gifts and abilities that God was giving them. So Paul, he, he talks about uh, uh, these spiritual giftings, and then he jumps into this next uh, analogy that he gives us. And uh, I've got uh, Mr. Potato Head, I borrowed from my kids, they've got like three, po- you'd think with three to four potato heads, and like two of them I think are Star Wars ones, there are no noses to be found, but that we can make that work this morning. But anyway, so we've got, uh, we've got the body of Christ here, some bodies in Christ are a little plumper than others, that's okay. First um, chapter 12, verse 31, is where we're picking back up. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. You've got Mr. Potato Head. You got one Potato Head here. It's made of different parts, so it's pretty easy, I think. should be tracking. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Gentiles is basically someone who's just non-Jewish. They were Romans or from other parts of, of the world. Some are slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. Paul's repeating himself here, because it's important to realize. And we all share the same spirit. Now Paul's repeating that. Last week we saw some of that in verses 1 through 11. He's repeating it because he's really stressing the importance of the unity and equality in the body of Christ. We as believers, as members of the body of Christ, it is essential... It is, it is part of what Christ has called us to be in unity and, and to see each other as, as equals, not greater than, not to prouder or better. And we see this sometimes um, in nucleuses, in, in churches. Uh, we'll see some people think, well, I'm a better Christian than that person or this and that. And uh, We would like to say that doesn't happen, but I'm, we've probably seen symptoms of that maybe where people thought that or, or we can deceive ourselves and we think, well, I'm not nearly as good a Christian as that person. You know we've got we've got super Christian Evan over here. I'm I'm never going to live up to that standard. I know. Yeah, if you get to know him, you'll you'll find out you can. It's it's possible. No. <laughs> yeah, doesn't take much. No, no. Same for me. But we we create these inequalities, and 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 we and oftentimes that creates this fraction and disunity, or we get prideful and we think, well, our church is is the, the best church. And well, I maybe secretly think that because I'm the pastor here, but I can't say that. That's not right. Um, we, we start putting down other churches. And they may believe differently than us and we may not agree with everything. But it is not helpful to the building up of one another and to the building up of the body of Christ. When we are, Our job is to be building things We shouldn't be taking hammers and destroying things. Okay? That's not what God has called us to do. We're not to build each other up, not tear each other down. So Paul just reminds them there's one Holy Spirit. So, in case their spirits get a little excited and they think their spiritual gifting is more important than someone else's, he's reminding them look, it all comes from one source it comes from the Holy Spirit. And that no one in the body of Christ is more spiritual or important or valuable than anyone else. There's no hierarchy. He was kind of reminded because they were coming out of a pagan uh, belief system where they had multiple gods and one god would be in charge of healing and one god would be in charge of, of fertility and one god would be in charge of, of harvest. And, and God's saying, no, I am the god of all of this. It, it's not a different spirit. It's not more spiritual than one or the other. It's all from God. It's all the same. So our socioeconomic standing, whether slave or free, the rich or poor, our ethnicity, what color you are or culture you're from, our our sex, whether we're male or female, does not determine our value or ability to serve and be used by God in the church. Can I get an amen? All right, good. So Paul goes into this analogy to help us better understand this. Again, he says, yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. How many of you uh, would like, wish that that were true in life? You could make something not so by just saying it? I am not in debt. Doesn't work that way. Uh, Same thing, you know, or or say, you know, they had the, the, the staples button, you know, you could just hit a button or the redo button, everything go up, or you'd like to just be able to say... No, that's that's not true. I'm perfect all the time. Saying it doesn't make it true. But we oftentimes in our culture, and I think it was the same in their culture, we have this mistake because of our arrogance. We think if we think it, it must be true because we only think the best thoughts. If I think it, it must be true. And so the same thing was happening in the body of Christ. There was this... uh, people were getting upset and some people were like, well, why does so-and-so get to stand up and, and sing and, and I'm, I'm you know, in the nursery? I don't know if they had a nursery, but they, they had multiple tasks. They were all coming together and serving and, and it would be like, well, uh, if I'm not, you know, singing with Becky or if I'm not greeting someone, if I'm back where no one can see me, I'm not really a part of the church. Is that true? No. And so this was happening. So he's saying, look, just because you're a foot and maybe God's called you to do a certain work and God's called someone to do something else, just because you say you're not the foot doesn't mean God didn't still call you to be the foot. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. So look at, look at the person next to you and say you would be really strange if you were the only person here. This place would be really strange if it was just you here. God's called us all in our uniqueness to be important parts of the body of Christ. And sometimes we, we slip into the lie and this idea that, well, I'm either too brand new of a Christian or I keep screwing up too much or Satan's got a lot of tricks for us or maybe we've been a Christian our whole life and we've we've walked the path and then God, you, the enemy comes in and says, you're outdated, you're, you're used up, there's nothing left for you to do in the body of Christ. And we, we give into it or what happens is Life happens, and we get distracted, and and we get too busy for God. We get too busy um, to do what God's calling us to do, and and we kind of drift away, or we get isolated, and uh, that happens too sometimes. And then we're way over here. Now, what good is that arm to Mr. Potato Head if it's way over there? It's not rocket science. Kids, help me out. If Mr. Potato heads arms on the floor and Mr. Potato's up here, can he pick anything up? No. No. So Paul's giving us some pretty simple uh, analogies here. You didn't know you were going back to preschool today. We need to realize that God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. We do. We are the ones who make mistakes. So, God doesn't put the arm and the eyes and the ears and the mouth in the wrong place. We put them in the wrong place. When God was calling me to, to, to be a, a pastor, I, I fought with God a long time because I was telling Him, God, you've got it wrong. I'm not a mouthpiece. I've got a mouth, but I'm not a mouthpiece. And I try to explain God why this this just didn't work. You know, I didn't think I fit the mold and this and that. And how many of you do the same thing sometimes? Whether it's a work at job or God's put something in your heart, and you're like, man, wouldn't it be cool to see us do this with the church or to reach the lost in this way? And then we're like, yeah, you know, I'm probably no, I couldn't do it. God doesn't make mistakes. We do. And just because we or a and also sometimes we make those mistakes and then we think while we listen to God and we'll step into what he's calling us to do. And then we think, well, I screwed that up. And a lot of people walk away from their faith in Christ sometimes because God's called them, even though they're, they're new Christians and, you know, they're, they're in process, they'll come into the body of Christ and start serving or doing something that they feel God's calling them to do, but then they screw up. And that happens sometimes. We, we screw up. We make mistakes, right? And then what happens is we're like, I just screwed up. I must have been the wrong person. I was in the wrong place. If God put us there, we weren't in the wrong place. We just made a mistake while being in the right place. And we need to remain and allow the other giftings in the body of Christ to encourage us, to pick us up, and help us move forward. Just because ourselves, or a brother or sister in Christ, or a church leader or a pastor makes a mistake doesn't mean that we or they are necessarily part of the wrong body. We, we like things to be perfect. We like things to go smoothly in our marriage culture. And when things get a little rough, when things get a little smooth, we see that in, in our culture with relationships. As soon as a, a, a relationship or a, a marriage gets a little rocky, what do people do? They say, well, I just got to do what's best for me, and they, they split they're like, well, this must have been the wrong marriage. Must have been in the wrong place. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes others make mistakes. We make mistakes. And in the body of Christ, we just have to be, realize that and give each other grace and mercy. And this is what was happening in their church. They were, some people were making a lot of mistakes. They were all making mistakes. But no one was wanting to, to stick it out. They were saying, well, you just shouldn't even be part of, of my church. And they began divisions and fractions. Spiritual enemies will try to use our failures or the failures of others in the body of Christ to get us to give up and move on and away from what God is calling us to I love the disciples. When we look at their whole process following Christ and their ministry, they made a lot of mistakes. We, could have, we, we did that sermon a while back called The Dirty Dozen, and we read that uh, kind of parody someone did of like a, a agency, a staffing agency, uh, giving their report on what they thought about the 12 disciples, and they were basically telling them, look, these people aren't qualified, um, their, their personalities aren't right, they lack education and communication skills. Don't hire any of them. The only person that maybe has any potential, has a brain and is quite good business mind, is that Judas. You might want to hire him. We need to stop telling God where he can or can't put us in the body of Christ. We need to quit telling other people where God can or can't put them in the body of Christ. And if you want to see me get rowdy, uh, see somebody tell a woman in our church that she can't be in ministry. I'll get a little rowdy on that. Or tell a child that they can't pray or be a part of what God's doing. We are all called to be part of the body of Christ. And if we are the newest believer, and we, we don't We barely know who Jesus is, but yes, we've taken hold of him, and we know he loves us, and we believe he's God. We may be the newest believer, and we may have a lot to figure out yet, but you are not a mistake. God has a place for you in the body of Christ to be serving. God has spiritual giftings and abilities for us to use. Verse 20, yes, there are many parts, but there is only one body. That's not just us here being one body, but we're, we're also part of the greater body of Christ. Verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. How many of you want to know the most important ministry in the church? You want to take a guess? that would be one of them yes cleaning the bathrooms who wants to go to a a dirty church children's ministry nursery you clean diapers you get spit up on you don't get to stand out here and, and raise your hands and, and, and uh, you know you can grab a baby and dance with them in the back a lot of them like that but it's hidden away it's not very glamorous. As we looked at a couple weeks ago, the most important precious thing to Christ were those kids that came to Him. And I want to challenge us, and I've challenged us oftentimes as parents, the most important ministry you will ever have is teaching and raising your children in the ways of God and His Word. We say this quite often here, but the, the spiritual uh, darkness of a generation is often the shadow of the previous generation's spiritual apathy. We have a responsibility to raise up. And, and just think of it, not only in terms of the nursery. We've got the nursery, and we've got little children that need cared for and need raised up to know God. And, but new believers, when we come to Christ, we're a little messy We've got habits, we've got ways of thinking. They're habits for a reason. It takes a while sometimes. Sometimes God will come in and immediately change it. He can do that. But sometimes in God's wisdom, he wants us to work a little bit. He wants us to squirm a little bit and grow and learn patience. Sometimes God doesn't take away our faults right away because he wants us to learn patience and humility, which are very important things in the body of Christ. So he allows us to keep coming back to him, keep persevering, keep struggling. Some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I'm going to throw just a few out here. Nursery. Sound tech. Eric's up there hiding. You don't usually get to see him. But it's, it's a beautiful gift to be able to, to have sounds and, and to have music. And, and you can have the best musicians, but, but to have someone up there helping, it, it adds everything. There's so many parts of the body of Christ. Facility care and uh, maintenance, mentoring, benevolence, social care, etc. Verse 23, And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. There's a reason why we do a lot of safety checks and we put a changing table and make sure we have fresh stuff in the nursery. Some of those things we don't want to see what goes on in there. But it needs to be taken care of with the utmost care, as if everyone would see it. The things behind the scene, the things unseen, the things that no one sees taking place, those are some of the most important, precious things that we could be doing. I guarantee you, me getting up here and speaking on Sunday is not the most important thing that's going to take place in this church this week. Verse 24, And while the more honorable parts do not require the special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. All members care for each other. They were getting a little goofy. They were starting to think, well, I do this and they do that, so I must be a little more important. They weren't caring for one another. They were caring for themselves within the body of Christ. They were a consumerist culture just like our own. They went and participated in church because of the prestige and there was this exciting new thing going on, and, and they wanted to be a part of it. And it became God was using the spiritual gifting. One thing that's really scary is God gives us gifts And just like a child, you can give a kid a gift, but it doesn't mean they're going to use it correctly. The same thing with us. Just because God gives us a gift doesn't mean we fully yet know how to use it. Just because you give a teenager a car does not mean they know everything they need to know yet about driving that car safely and operating it in all sorts of conditions and all different terrains. all members care for each other. They were starting to complain uh, about each other and they're starting to say, well, so-and-so this and so-and-so that and they were going against each other and the, oftentimes what happens is the members of the body of Christ, and this could be individuals, this could be churches as a whole or denominations, but members of the body of Christ who complain the loudest that nobody cares about them are often the same ones who are too busy to care and serve others. We meet people oftentimes and they're like, I want to go to church, but I, nobody cares for me. I'd go, but I just don't, I just don't feel a connection. And so I, I kind of pride. I'm like, well, and sometimes even people from other churches, I want to encourage them to get back in their church and get involved. And I said, well, have you invited anyone to your house? Well, no. I just put on Facebook, I'm lonely. Okay? that's It's awkward. Someone goes, I'm really, really lonely on Facebook. You know, I'll reach out and check them. But that doesn't necessarily say, hey, good times. Come hang out with me. Because there's this me inward focus taking place. It's about me. And we talked about last week, when we come together as the body of Christ, if our focus is serving and encouraging others in the process of that, as we all come together to do that, we get our own needs met. Paul picks up on this in verse 26. He says, If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. There is to be no room for jealousy. There is to be no room in the body of Christ for, I remember, my parents probably remember as a kid, my brothers and I, we might get in a few arguments over who was doing more work. Or who was doing a better job? And uh, I, I'm not going to say that mom would get a little heated, but if the house was a mess, and uh, sh- you know, you you started picking things up. If mom wasn't in a giving, you started picking up. And then brothers, we would get downstairs and we're like, "Come on, get going!" And we're like, one of my brothers, like the he thought he was, and this older ones we didn't think he was. And so we would start getting mad at him, start yelling at him, "Come on! And we're like this isn't fair." We're doing all of it, and you're the one who made most of the mess. Church is like a lot of kids. We all are kids. That's why God calls us his children. It happens. We get frustrated, and we go, they're making all the mess, and we're doing all the work. And so I want to challenge this. Maybe we can help that by not getting mad at other people and thinking ourselves better because we're doing more, but we invite them to come alongside us and work with us. We invite someone to come alongside us so we can encourage them. And maybe as, as the body, as we encourage one another, we all begin to step up and, and, and feel supported that we can step into the callings and the giftings that God is calling us to. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer.